going to jump right in, and uh, I've got some exciting news that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning, uh, but I'm going to make you wait until the end of my preach before I get to that. Is that all right? <laughs> you have to sit and listen to the preach before we get into the exciting news. It's all exciting news, uh, but I'm um, yeah, very, very uh, excited about what I believe God is doing with us as a church, and so we will get to that uh, in a moment. I'm not going to be terribly long this morning so that we can dive into that, uh, but we're in a, a, a short little series, if you're here, not last week, uh, due to the 947, there were no morning gatherings, had an awesome worship night last Sunday night though. Um, Duncan kicked us off in a series called First Things, it's just a two-part series. Uh, and I think this is a really good and helpful series for us uh, as a church, for every single one of us individually. You know, as we stand sort of at the end of one year, we're facing a new year. Uh, and with that, it always brings all sorts of different things for different people. And I know that there's different personalities and different types of people. So standing on the end of one year, looking into the other uh, side of a new year, uh, for some people, it's new year, new me. Come on, somebody. Anybody? New year, new me. I mean, some, some people, they stand on the front of this year and they're like, this is going to be my year. I'm going for it. You're going guns blazing into the new year. I know that people love this. They love New Year's resolutions. So they love to put out their lists of goals. They love to, there's people who just love to make plans, love to make lists. Anyone love lists? I mean, I'm a list. I, I think it's so good. A list, you need to have a list <laughs> so that you can tick it off and have the sense of satisfaction when you've done something on the list, you know. Uh, people have bucket lists and they have aspirations. And so sometimes at this part of the year uh, or the beginning of a new year, you start looking at that sort of thing. But then I think that there's also people who stand at the beginning of a new year and it's different. You kind of stand at the edge of it with some trepidation. I don't know if anybody's like that. You, you almost stand at the front of a new year not knowing what's coming, not knowing what to expect. You're, you're a little bit unsure about what's, what, what's ahead. And I would say over these past few years of COVID, that's probably a little bit of the norm. We don't know what to expect. Uh, in actual fact, I think uh, as a church, uh, we went into this year pretty much guns blazing because we were like, let's do everything we can while we can before there's another shutdown. And guess what the government decided to do this year? No shutdowns, right? <laughs> so probably we stand at the end of the year a little bit exhausted, but that was good anyway. But through these COVID years, some of us might be standing here looking towards 2023, just really hoping that you're going to be able to make it through another year, hoping you're going to be able to survive another year. And for many people, uh, we can go into the new year thinking, how am I going to survive? How am I going to make sure my family has enough? How am I going to make sure there's food on the table, that there's going to be clothes for my family to wear? We can, we can start to concern ourselves with some of these things as we think about a whole other year ahead of us. School fees, stationery, textbooks. Hey, my school uh, told me I need to send textbooks and stationery with my son next year, as well as an iPad or a, or a laptop. It's not one or the other, it's all of it. <laughs> and you're standing going, well, how am I going to afford that, you know? How are we going to make sure we have enough? And I think as humans, whether we are the type of people who go into a new year and we're gung-ho and we're optimistic and we're full of enthusiasm, or if we're the other type of person and we go in a, a little bit, uh, a, 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 with a little bit of, uh, with worry, I think it's very easy and we can see how easy it is that we can just get ahead of ourselves, right? We can so easily get ahead of ourselves. We can so easily get the order wrong. We can so easily get our priorities wrong. 
and forget about even asking what God's perspective on that is. And so things that should be the first things on our list end up being the last things on our list. Or how many of you know the most important things sometimes don't even make it onto that list? We can just get it wrong so quickly and so easily. But I want to say that as we stand at the beginning of a brand new year, looking towards it, at the end of one year, looking towards another year, we actually do have the opportunity now, and that's why we, we like doing this series now, because it gives us the opportunity now to get our priorities right. Amen? It, it gives us this opportunity to consider what is God's perspective on our priorities, and are we getting that right? I think God would say we need to get that right. Believe it or not, the Bible has got something to say about priorities. Come on now. How many of you know the Bible has something to say about everything? And so it tells us, it speaks to us about first things. And in Matthew chapter 6, as part of this great Sermon on the Mount, this incredible piece of scripture, Jesus teaches us. He, he, he taught the people there and he wants to teach us today again about priorities and about getting the order right in our lives. And so I'm going to ask you to read along with me uh, on the Sky Bible or on your devices. Uh, please be taking notes this morning. I think that there'll be some things uh, for you to go back on and read over. But let's read together. So Matthew chapter 6 from verse 25. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? It says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And so therefore, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. One of my favorite verses of the Bible, verse 33, but seek first, everybody says, seek first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will what? Be added unto you. Amen. We've even got little Aiden at the back there agreeing with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you to you. Jesus is trying to just point out the simplicity of how he expects us to live our life. Seek first two things. Seek first the kingdom of God, that's his rule and his reign, and then his righteousness, which is a right relationship with God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You know, this scripture, I just think it's so awesome, and it's been a garden light for me, for so many years, for so many decades, this scripture has been a guiding light to me. It's something that Taryn and I have held on to for so many years, decades into ministry now. We've just held on to the simplicity of this truth, that you need to put Jesus 
first. It's so easy to overcomplicate life. It's very easy to overcomplicate ministry, I can assure you. But Jesus is teaching us that actually it's uncomplicated. Actually, there's a very deep simplicity to it. It's just putting God and his kingdom first and everything else will fall into place. It's getting that priority right though. And so Jesus is teaching us uh, about an anxiety-free, a worry-free, a stress-free existence of simple trust in God for what we need in this life. That's what he's trying to teach us over here. He's saying that there will always be earthly things, there will always be human things that cause us worry, that cause us stress, that cause us anxiety, but he's saying that our greatest priority The first thing of all first things is to give absolute priority to seeking God's rule and reign across the earth. That's what we've got to be about. And that is how simple it is. I love how in the Gospels, (laughs) it's so easy. We see the disciples do this with such simplicity. Jesus says, follow me, they follow him. they, They abandon everything immediately in pursuit for just following after Jesus. Matthew 4, I love this so much, verse 18 to 22, it says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Okay, cool, makes sense. And he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Seek first. It's so simple. Just a little bit later in Matthew 9 verse 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And what does Matthew do? He rose up and followed Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, Jesus is giving these, these guys assurance that as they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, their heavenly father would provide everything that they need. Seek him first and he will provide everything that you need. And so I wonder how often we set our priorities in life according to our confidence or our lack of confidence that we have a father in heaven who loves us, who is for us, and who has already provided everything that we need in this life. Do you set your priorities at this time of the year according to that, to that confidence that we have a father in heaven who has already provided on that cross, he's already provided everything that we need in this life. Jesus explains this principle so brilliantly because he's explaining it to the disciples from from the lesser to the greater. So he's saying if the father is looking after the birds of the air, the lesser, if he's concerned about them, and the disciple is of far more value than the birds of the air, how much more will he look after the disciples' needs if he will look after the birds of the air? And then verse 33, brilliant, the positive alternative to worrying. What do you do? If you're not to worry, what do you do? You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added to you. Our complete commitment to God, the daily seeking of his kingdom must be our first thing. It must be our primary concern. So even this morning, as you're beginning to think, as you're beginning to plan, those of you who are beginning to make lists, the first thing, our primary concern, the kingdom of God. And so worry, anxiety, fear, 
stress. These are all normal parts of our world. But Jesus actually calls us to live a different life to the world. Amen? He doesn't call us to this world, he calls us to be different to this world. And so hundreds of times throughout scripture, hundreds of times throughout scripture, we're commanded, do not worry. It's the most repeated command in the Bible. In fact, it's repeated 365 times across the Bible. Do not worry. Do you think that that maybe God's trying to tell us something? Do not worry. It gets repeated and repeated and repeated. And so Jesus is telling us, that we can counter the norms of this world. We can counter the norms of this world through seeking him and his kingdom first. And so seeking his kingdom is a constant, a daily, hourly decision that we need to make to turn away from worry, to turn away from fear, to turn away from anxiety. How many of you know that sometimes is a minute by minute decision that we need to make in our lives? It's how we counter the norms of the world. We need to choose to turn away from it and make a choice to run towards God. And it's a constant decision that we need to be making in our lives. I think that as human beings living in 2022, no matter where in the world you might be living, I think that there are plenty of things that can cause us worry. There's plenty of things around us. (laughs) I'm preaching to the choir living in Joburg. Hey, there's plenty that can cause us to be stressed and worried and full of anxiety. Uh, I mean, I hope you appreciate my hair this morning because we had no um, water at home, at home, so I just had to do like a something something. <laughs> I try my best for you guys. It's one of the norms of Joburg, you know, maybe water, power, we don't know from day to day. But anyway, there's plenty to cause us stress. But Jesus is still saying, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. Amen. And so very quickly, before I get to my exciting news, I know we get in there. um, I want to chat about three commitments that we can make, you and I, to seek first the kingdom of God in 2023. Three commitments. I, I, I would encourage you to write these down as we go. The first commitment to seeking first the kingdom in 2023 is to seek first the kingdom through praise and thanksgiving. Seek first the kingdom through praise and thanksgiving. Psalm 100 verse 4, it's just the best, tells us that we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. It's so easy for us to forget the simplicity of this, that God's presence is in our thanksgiving. God's presence is in our praise. It requires us to be proactive in it because elsewhere in the Psalms we read that God says that he inhabits the praises of his people, right? So that's where his presence is. He inhabits the praises of of his people. That's where we will find God's presence in the midst of a praising people. How many of you know God's presence is with us in the room this morning? And you at home, God's presence is with you when you lift up praise and thanksgiving to him. And so a life of thanksgiving, a life of praise are all a part of God's kingdom. Not a part, a part. (laughs) They're a part of God's kingdom. Praise and thanksgiving, it's elements, uh, 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 these are key elements to what it means to live a life of seeking God's kingdom first, is when your life is marked by praise and thanksgiving. And so a question this morning, can you say that your life is marked by praise and thanksgiving? Uh, That's an honest heart check moment. 
Can you say that it is? Are you someone who is able to give thanks to God, not only when the times are good, that's what Jabula was saying, but even when times were, are bad, are you able to still give thanks in times like that? Can you echo the words of the psalmist who says that your praise shall always, ever be on my lips? We need to echo those words. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Is your life marked by that? Or if you're honest with yourself, is your life marked with grumbling or moaning or complaining? It's very easy to slip. Very easy. Don't let your life in 2023 be marked by moaning and complaining and negativity. Let your life be marked by praise and thanksgiving for a God who has given everything for you. Amen. Amen. Have you ever wondered what the vocabulary of heaven sounds like? Have you ever wondered what heaven will sound like when we get there one day? I would say that the sound of heaven, the vocabulary of heaven is praise. It's a thousand hallelujahs, it's thanksgiving. And this is what our lives should be marked by here on earth. Because the Bible says we'll spend eternity in heaven singing a thousand hallelujahs to God, amen? And so our lives here on this earth should reflect that. We sang a song last week at the worship night, which I just loved. It was a new one to me. But there were, uh, there's a line in it that says, let my life be a hallelujah. Let my life be the highest praise. Isn't that an awesome thought? That when God looks at you, he can say, that's the highest praise coming from Kerry. That's the highest praise. That's a hallelujah coming from Malcolm. That your life is lived by high praise and, and worship of the high king. And so as you set your sights on this whole new year that lies ahead of us, filled with many opportunities and possibilities, I really want to encourage you to be a person that determines to seek first the kingdom of God and be intentional and proactive in your praise that you offer God and in your thanksgiving that you offer God. Amen. That's the first one, through praise and thanksgiving. The second commitment that we can make to seek in the kingdom first in 2023 is to seek first the kingdom through fervent prayer. Through fervent prayer. This is so important. Romans 12 verse 12 tells us that we should rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. I mean, I don't know how many of you can say that. Constant in prayer. That means it doesn't stop. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, 16, 17, 18. This is three verses, one sentence. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and what? Give thanks in all circumstances. It's all wrapped up there in that verse, actually. Pray without ceasing ceasing, constant in prayer, not ceasing in prayer. How many of you know that's a lot of prayer? <laughs> that's a lot of prayer going on over there, and, and, and we need to go to that. We call to that because it means that prayer then is just part of your everyday life, right? It's part of your day-to-day -day existence on earth is that you pray and you pray. You don't need to wait for a prayer meeting to come and pray. Part of your life, your day-to-day -day life is prayer. It's regular. It means that there'll be times when you pray by yourself, There'll be times when you pray with your spouse. There'll be times when you pray in a group. There'll be times when you're here at a corporate prayer meeting or we pray together in a church setting like this. It just means that prayer is constantly on your lips. One of the incredible things that we know is that the Bible tells us that sometimes when we don't even know what to pray, I don't know, does that happen to you? You don't even know what to pray, but you want to pray. It says that the Spirit of God, how awesome is this? intercedes on our behalf to the Father. 
The Spirit will intercede for us on behalf of us. And so I, I, I so often find myself in this situation, right? I, I'm walking around wherever in a mall or something, and I, you know, I want to be praying because I want to be influencing my spaces and places that God has put me in. And I don't know what to pray. And so I just start praying in tongues, and I'm walking around, and I'm praying in tongues, and I'm seeing people, and I'm praying, and I'm, I'm I, you know, the Spirit is interceding on my behalf in these moments. Sometimes I don't realize that I got a little bit loud with my praying in tongues in the middle of the mall, and then I get a little bit of like weird looks like this as people are walking past, but it's fine because we've got 11 official languages in this country, so they probably just think it's, it's that one that they don't know. We, we've got a first official language, hey, tongues. Yeah, and the spirit intercedes, but that's a way of constantly being in prayer. I just want to be constantly in prayer. So sometimes I'm out, my, my vocabulary is finished, I don't know anymore. And so just walk around. This morning as I was preparing and I was waiting for this gathering to start, I was just walking around this building, praying, and I just prayed in tongues, knowing that the spirit is interceding on my behalf. So that is a way of seeking first the kingdom of God, being in constant communication with him, Amen, is a way of seeking his kingdom first, even when we don't know what to pray. And I just think that that is so awesome that the spirit will work on our behalf. That means that the spirit is bringing heaven to earth. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? The spirit will bring heaven to earth as we just are constant in our prayer day to day. Amen, so that's the second way, seeking through fervent prayer. And then the last point, the last way that I believe that we can really seek first the kingdom in 2023 is to seek first the kingdom through extravagant worship. Can somebody say extravagant worship? It's, it needs something, hey? It needs something, yeah. I learned so much about it, this concept of extravagant worship uh, from a prolific worship leader, Darlene Czech. I learned so much from her and from her teachings on this, and I think that it is a brilliant way for us to understand what it means to be seeking first the kingdom of God in our lives. I'm gonna read a passage of scripture from Luke. It's a little bit long, but we'll get through it. And then I'm going to speak about this. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair, the hair of her head, and kissed his feet and anointed them with this ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. So Jesus says, a certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt for both. Now which of them will love him more? So Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. He says, you gave me no kiss, 
but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Verse 47, therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. How beautiful is this? He said to her, go, your sins are forgiven. And then those who were at the table with him began to say amongst themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The story that we continue to know about this woman, (laughs) which I just think is amazing, the story that is told of this woman is a story of extravagant worship. I think it's one of the most beautiful accounts of worship that we find in the Bible. The sinful woman who was brought what was considered to be wasteful worship to Jesus. It was considered wasteful worship. She, she wets the feet of Jesus with her tears. She wipes the tears with her hair. She kisses the feet. She continues to pour her very costly alabaster jar of perfume on them. But as she poured her offering out, what happened is that Jesus washed her brokenness away. As this woman loved extravagantly, what happens is Jesus forgave extravagantly. What a phenomenal account of worship that we see here. And please note that this extravagant worship that is demonstrated in the story has got nothing to do with music, it's got nothing to do with song, but it's got everything to do with someone who was extravagant in her devotion to her Savior. I believe that that is what God would call us to as we set our priorities on 2023 extravagant devotion to our Savior. And so what does it mean to be extravagant in our worship? What does it mean to live a life of extravagance in our worship? It means to be excessive in our worship. It means to be over generous, overly generous in our worship. It means to be exceedingly elaborate. It's over and above. Do you see that? Not the bare minimum. It's over and above. It's exceeding reasonable limits. It's expensive. How many of you know that our worship should cost us something? It's expensive. It's given lavishly. And so if you were to think of yourself this morning as a worshiper, what is it that you think you do as a worshiper? What is it that you think you bring as a worshiper? What is the offering that you bring to your king in worship? And is it extravagant? Is it over generous? Does it exceed reasonable limits? Is it you not just doing the bare minimum, not just doing the least you can get away with, but over exceeding the bare minimums, uh, bare minimums, and not just the basic level of commitment? I think it's good this morning for every single one of us to do a soul check, to check ourselves this morning and ask, what is it that you bring to the table that represents extravagance in your worship of your king? I believe that our worship needs to cost us something. It needs to be sacrificial. There's so many biblical characters that we learn from about sacrificial giving. And I don't know how often we think about Noah in this light. (laughs) But I think Noah is even an incredible example of this. So true of him. You see, we read in Genesis how after the flood, Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he takes some of the clean animals 
and he sacrifices those as burnt offerings to God. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about the destruction that Noah must have seen all around him. Imagine humanity around him drowning while he and his family are saved. Complete and utter destruction. I don't know if you've ever thought about how Noah would have had to shut his ears from the wailing of humanity all around him while he was saved. He went through unimaginable anguish and yet he still remained obedient to God. That sounds to me like extravagant worship going over and above. In Genesis 8 verse 21 to 22, it says that when the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma, the Lord said to his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And so why does God give us that covenant promise over there? God gives us this covenant promise because of one man who brought over generous worship while obeying the command of his father. Noah lived through the most unimaginable extreme circumstances, but he praised God continuously through it all. It represents extravagant worship. What makes your worship extravagant? Well, in First Chronicles 21, I think this is so key, David said that he did not want to bring an offering to the Lord that cost him nothing. He did not want to bring an offering to the Lord that cost him nothing. And you know that this has been the prayer of my heart. This has been the cry of my heart for decades now, that my worship that I bring God would always cost me something. That any time I'm before God in worship, which is all the time, it needs to cost me something. You know, even me going into the spa this afternoon and buying a loaf of bread is going to cost me something. How much more should our worship to God cost us when we come before Him? Everything that we do as worship should be sacrificial. It should be. We should never be a people that hold back from God. Do the bare minimum, but it should be overly generous. And so in our corporate times together, worshiping Jesus, do you bring more than enough? In your private times, your personal times of worship with Jesus, do you just do the bare minimum? Do you just tick off the list, I've done this, I've done that? Or do you worship your creator exceedingly, elaborately, over and above? Does your personal worship of Jesus represent extravagance to him? In your day-to-day -day life, knowing that all of life is worship, does your life represent extravagant worship to a Savior who has already extravagantly given his very life for you? I think that this is so key to what we need to prioritize as we move into a whole new year. A life of extravagant worship is a way of seeking first the kingdom of God in 2023. Amen. The promise that God gives us when we center our lives on seeking the kingdom first, on putting him above all, is that he won't forget our needs. That's what he promises. Seek him, put his kingdom first, he'll not forget our needs. And so eating and drinking and the clothes that we wear, these are still very important things in our everyday life. These are things that we need uh, on this earth. But God says that when our priority becomes seeking first the kingdom of God, then all these things shall be added unto you.
And so seek God, seek his kingdom first, everything else will fall into place. He promises to provide for our needs. And so to be clear, to be clear, nowhere in the Bible uh, will you find God promising you uh, enormous wealth necessarily. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that uh, you want to claim the new BMW iX or whatever it is and he will give it unto you because you claimed it. That's not what we're talking about over here. That's not what Jesus says. He promises that he knows our needs and he will provide for our needs. How awesome is that? Seeking first the kingdom. It's not just an item on your list. Hear that this morning. It's not just an item that you're going to put on your list. It's not even part of your list of New Year's resolutions. Seeking first the kingdom is everything. It's our absolute priority. It's not on a list. It's above everything else. Seek first the kingdom. A final note on worship. You know, I believe we speak about this all the time, that every single one of us has been uniquely given a certain amount of time on this earth Every one of us has uniquely been given a certain amount of talent on this earth, and every single one of us has been given a certain amount of treasure on this earth. Time, talent, and treasure. It's unique to you, and it's different to the person sitting next to you. And these are the things that God has uniquely put in our hands in order for us to use them as worship to Him. Amen? Your time, your talent, your treasure, God puts that in your hand so that you can use that as worship unto Him. It's literal tools that you have in your hand to actively seek and see the kingdom of God move forward right across the earth.